Hey everyone, welcome to the Work Friends Podcast, where we bring meaningful conversations to you. I'm Jen Brubaker, and I'm here with my co-host, work, and real friend, Ainsley Stanley. This season on the podcast, we're pausing to remember and reflect. Remember the key people and events in the good and hard seasons of life, and reflect on God's provision, goodness, and grace. We'll hear from old friends, even some that are no longer living, about God's unchanging nature through it all. Today on the podcast, we're chatting with Dave Lane, who's the satellite director at YFC Sarnia Lambton. It is an amazing conversation where he shares about a lot of fun things in his life, like Disney, um, as well as just processing through grief, the loss of his wife, and yeah, just his story and how he clings to God still throughout those things. It, it's a rich conversation, and uh, yeah, it's a really meaningful conversation, and we really enjoy it. So go to Sarnia and grab some global donuts. Heck, go to Disney. Do whatever you need to do and enjoy today's episode. Well, your official welcome to the Work Friends podcast. Thank you. You weren't a real work friend until the moment, so. I've always wanted to be a work friend. <laughs> okay, yeah. I sat in my office and I dreamed of the day that Jane Ainsley would call me to invite me to be a work friend. And now my dreams have come true. Wow. Wow. Well, that's that's what I'm in Listwall, too. Yeah. I've never stopped in Listwall. Well, now you have, have a reason, which is you've awesome. got impressions, which is like our fan favorite. It's the best bakery ever. So you have to try those later. Are they L'Oreal? No. <laughs> For sure, no. But made, with, okay. made with natural ingredients. Now, I heard if you drink a Diet Coke with stuff like that, it kind of offsets it. It probably cancels out, I think. That okay. could be yeah. true. That's the way They're all not look. keto. That's all I know. Okay. They have lots of carbs in them. Excellent. <laughs> well, we'll start off with some fun facts. So first off, where did you grow up? I grew up in London, Ontario. Oh, London yeah. boy. London. So, yep, grew up there, went to high school, went to London Baptist Bible College, and then I became a youth pastor. Mm. Nice. Yeah. What would you say is your ideal day? My ideal day would be breakfast at Chick-fil-A. <gasps> I've never uh, had breakfast at Chick-fil-A. Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. Then going to Disney World. And then topping it up with dinner at Chick-fil-A. There's no better way to end and begin a day with, with Chick-fil-A. A Chick-fil-A sandwich with Disney in the middle. Oh, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. And chicken strips and a, and a cookies and cream milkshake. Um, What's that like lemonade ice cream drink? Oh, quote oh, unquote, oh, drink. oh, yeah. The lemon frosty, I believe. That's my favorite. I know. Yes. It's amazing. And now yeah. Chick-fil-A is in Canada. Yeah, I haven't do been love to that. the Canadian <gasps> before. What? Sorry. Should we just sit this and go <laughs> go there now? Go for a little I think the next time we have this, we should do it at Chick-fil-A. Yeah, oh, I think that sounds in good. Kitchener. Yes. Yeah. We'll do a whole setup there. Some people do homework at coffee shops, mm-hmm. and we'll just do a podcast at Chick-fil-A. Done. I, I like that. I think that's a great idea. All right. Sounds yeah. good. Okay. Chick-fil-A, <laughs> Disney, we like it. You guys can't see, but Dave is wearing a Walt Disney World yep. t-shirt, so. Well, I love Walt Why didn't you wear your Disney pin? I should have. Me and Jen went to Disney World a couple years ago. <laughs> together and yeah. I I've been before and she hadn't been so you can get a first time Disney I know. pin so I like as an adult, I like forced <laughs> her like I would run into a store and I like made someone give her a pin made her wear it <laughs> okay so I never went to Disney World till I was 40 <gasps> and I'm 50 and I've been 10 times <gasps> whoa I actually I actually embarrass my kids because when I walk into Disney World I become a kid <laughs> and my kids can't keep up with me wow. like I'll cut off children pregnant moms and 
It's terrible. <laughs> and I like to go to check, I like to go to Disney World by myself. Really? I have done all four parks in one day. Wow. And I hit all the big rides. Wow. So the next time we go, Ains, we know who to. I know. Well, okay. I know all the ins and outs. Yeah. It's almost embarrassing to say it's a 50-year-old man, but yeah. No, you I do like do Disney it. World. Do you well, know who Bob Goff is? Yes. He used to say that the Tom Sawyer Island was his office. At Disneyland. Yes. I know. Isn't wow. that a dream? That's why I want to model my life after him. I want my office to be in Disney World. Wow. What would you say is the number one Disney tip for going? Here's the tip. Avoid all the parades and all the fireworks. <gasps> you don't like the light show on the castle? But here's the thing, is you can get on rides uh, during that. Uh, so, for example, at the castle, when there's the fireworks going on, I head to the 7th Dwarf Mine Train because there's no lineup. And when the fireworks go off, they go off over top of your head when <gasps> you're on the ride. Wow. I'm telling you. I don't wait in lines. <laughs> <laughs> Efficiency. It's a waste of time. I'm also, you know, it's funny because more like that, when we went to Disney, I was like, Jen, we have to hit all the rides. Like, if we don't get yep. on Rocky Mountain and Splash Mountain, I may cry. Oh, Splash Mountain you know? is a must. Yeah. And like Jen was there for the first time. I wasn't maybe allowing her to like live the scenery and stuff. Cause I was like, there's like, I'd be checking cause now there's an app. So I'd yep. be like, there's oh, an 11 minute on this ride. I and we, I like would like drag her through the She's thing. like my mom. Day. Oh. Here's the pin for the first time being at Disney. <laughs> Come on, honey, we need to go over here now. Grabs She's my like, arm and runs. Well, there's so much to look at. I was like, but not right now. We need exactly. to go. <laughs> so, Ace, I got a question. So, how fast can you get from one side of the park to the other? Oh, uh, no, Jen, I could have been faster. Hey, this is what I actually think. I think the biggest tip is go by yourself. Oh, it is. Yeah. My other question is do you wear ears? Do you wear Disney ears when you go? Um, no, I do not. Okay. But one year I went to the family and I bought uh, a Santa hat with Mickey ears. Mm. And every Christmas I wear it when we open presents. Perfect. Oh. Mm. That works. Yeah. Wow. So. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a Disney probably addict. Not fanatic, but I'm an addict. Good to know. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, wow. that We could have almost had a whole podcast I know. about Disney. <laughs> Next time. Next time. Next time. <laughs> Do's and dotes of Disney World. That yeah. got me really hyped. What is the weirdest thing you've ever done besides push a kid out of line to get in front of them? Yeah, that that was that wasn't one of my prouder moments. Um, <laughs> I think the weirdest thing I've done is step across six hundred live mouse traps, blindfolded and barefoot. <laughs> you want me to explain? I don't think I can top that, but yeah, you go ahead and. and I'm part of an improv comedy group. The fidgets, and we do fundraisers. And what we do is we will sell mouse traps at, at certain shows. And how many mouse traps they sell, we put those mouse traps live on the stage, and we do a sketch around those mouse traps. And we are blindfolded and we are barefoot, rolling them. So I've probably stepped across altogether in my career, probably close to I probably two thousand, maybe twenty five hundred mouse traps. It's very painful. Yeah, I was just about to ask, I was like, is this something that you get used to? Or is it just, you just it's embrace it? It's mind over matter. Okay. The first time I did it, I was terrified. Yeah. I was very afraid. But then you get used to it. There's certain tricks you do, and I can't divulge them because I'd have to kill you. And I don't want <laughs> it to never gives out your secrets. Right? Right. So, but yeah, no, it, it's funny because we had one lady actually leave because she had a phobia of pain. Boy. So this is not for the weak at heart. Yeah, clearly. Like you've got a, and it's, it's hit me everywhere in the body. It's 
Mm. And we have, there's blood on the mouse traps. We actually have Victor mouse traps because we figured out which the good ones are. So every year, Victor mouse trap is a sponsor of the fidgets, and they send us 300 mouse traps a year because we break them. Wow. I don't think I don't think they're meant for a 230 pound man. No. But. So Our if you're messes. listening to this and you uh, need a fundraising idea, yes, we can do that, and it's. <laughs> It's, it's good for you. It's painful for us, but that's okay. Mm. All for the of the Lord. Anything for Jesus. That's my motto. This is how Jesus carries his cross. That's right. But I have gotten up and I find no shops hanging all over me. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Does it hurt as much to pull them off? No. No. But they do hurt. Yeah. yeah Especially yes. in your pinky. That's just not a fun. Hmm. But they don't break bones. People always ask me, do you ever, ever broken a finger? No. If I had rat traps... I would have broken a, mm. many fingers, but no. Wow. Just leave swells and scars. and yeah, there, We have blood on some of our mouse traps because they, <laughs> they break the skin. But like I said, hey, <laughs> I've got issues. Yeah. So besides those things, the, the Disney stuff and besides the mouse traps, what would you say is your biggest flex? My biggest flex? Yeah. Is my beard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have, my beard is a foot long. Yeah, it's pretty massive. I know. And uh, I have 40 different scents of beard oils. Wow. I have uh, apple, my apple moonshine is today, apple cider. Mm. I don't know if you can smell it from where you are, but uh, that's, why I I ca- that's why I came in person, so you could actually oh. experience the whole thing. Help yeah. lead the podcast conversation yeah. better. What's your favorite beard scent? Uh, I would probably say it's called, it's like a Cuban... Uh, whiskey one. A Cuban whiskey. Mm-hmm. Wow. But here's the thing. My biggest pet peeve about my beard is that old ladies come up and they grab it. Oh. They do. Oh, yeah, because one thing I've noticed is, is old ladies do not like my beard. Huh. So they'll just grab it and they should get rid of it. It's like a pregnant woman, you know, when they're pregnant and they touch yes. their belly. It's like, don't touch. It's like, don't touch my beard. Yeah. Now, my beard is very soft and I take better care of my beard than I do my hair I'm losing on top of my head. <laughs> but I'm known for my beard. People... People don't forget me because I have this big beard. How long mm. have you had it? Uh, probably about 16 years. Wow. I actually shaved Whoa. it off one time because my son dared me. Mm. And you don't, my son, you don't dare me. And I shaved it off. The moment I shaved it off, I knew I'd made a mistake. My wife didn't recognize who I was. <laughs> I was sitting watching TV and she walked in and said, can I help you? She thought I was a visitor. My daughter cried. <laughs> People in my church didn't recognize me. Wow. You know, yeah. I look uh, like I'm 25 when I take it off. Wow. Mm-hmm. My so dad has had a mustache for like, my mom has never seen him without a mustache mm. over 30 years. Yep. And he shaved it one year. And I'm like, yeah. Mm, yeah, the moment yeah, it comes off, you no. know, my daughter said, this is not right. I'm like, okay. Yeah. So I grew it back. <laughs> yeah, it's very never distinctive. Yeah. 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 Don't even know what your own face looks like. It's just part of it now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you weren't working at IFC, what would you be doing? Ah, uh, what would I be doing? That's a good question. Um, I think I would work at Disney World. Mm. Oh. What's your ideal Disney job? Wow. These, these are deep questions. <laughs> We're all about the deep questions deep here. Questions. <laughs> really What's the, the ultimate ones? one? I would probably say, oh, that would be guest services, I think would be where I'd be. Mm. I love kids and people and stuff like that so just to be out talking to people would be fun yeah that would be fun oh. 
Well, aside from all of those fun facts, tell us about yourself. Well, I am, uh, like I said, I've been a youth pastor for 30 years. I have two adult children who are now married. So now I have four children. Mm-hmm. So uh, my son, Bobby, um, is married to a, a lovely girl named Jay. And he is uh, kind of a worship pastor. He does a ministry called Backyard Worship, mm-hmm. where they gather a bunch of people from different denominations. And every once a month in a big barn, they do a worship uh, night. And my son also writes songs. He writes songs. He has a song called uh, The Tower, which is on Spotify. Check it out. Check it out, back in worship. Right? <laughs> and then uh, my daughter, Emma, who's married to Brandon, uh, she works with me at YFC, Sarnia mm-hmm. Lampton, which is exciting. And I was married for 26 years mm-hmm. to a lovely woman. She was actually older than me. Her name was Lori. And uh, we actually met each other in high school. So, like, Whoa. I was grade nine. She was grade 12. Whoa. Now, we didn't date back then because I would have been a rock star, right? <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. So, I asked her out. I'll never forget when I asked her out, she laughed at me. Yeah. I was joking. <laughs> and then when I uh, took her on the first date, I told her I was going to marry her. And she said, really? But I was right. Wow. 26 years later. Wow. Yeah. So. Wow. That's a little about me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is. I feel like there's so many things you can unpack in that about there your is. personality that we're just learning about. Yeah. And also I'm just, it must have been a great grade nine guy because like, I know what it's like to be in grade 12 and what it's like for grade nine boys to come up into youth group and to think that she experienced that with you and still married you. Is yeah. Pretty- she wasn't too impressed with you back then, but <laughs> I don't think, I don't think I was on her radar. Yeah. She was on my radar cause she was part of the cool kids. Mm-hmm. I know this is going to shock you ladies, but I was kind of a geek. I know you look at me and go, there's just no, huh, way. no way. Like a guy with a beard like that, he could not be that way. But yeah, I struggled. <laughs> just a little bit. I stuttered really bad. So yeah, when I got nervous, it was really bad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Interesting. And I'm dyslexic too. So that's another. Uh, <laughs> I had a lot of issues. <laughs> Don't y'all. It's amazing what God can use, right? Yeah. 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 No kidding. No kidding. Uh, well, we are going to dive into your story. But before that, what was growing up like for you? Growing up, like for, for me, well, for me, I grew up in a Christian home, so I never really did anything bad. Like, I wasn't five years old and a drug dealer or anything like that. Mm. But, but I remember coming to Christ, and it was like almost expected of me. And so, for a lot of the times, I just saw my faith as a ticket out of hell. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I got into high school that I realized there was more to it, and I realized that I needed to kind of own it. And so for me, it was actually in grade nine, I went to um, a mission trip in Chicago and uh, God really got a hold of me and really opened my eyes to the fact that my friends at school uh, needed Christ and not just my friends, but teenagers in general. Mm -hmm. And so from a really young age, I really understood God calling to youth ministry. And so I've been doing it, like I said, for 30 years and yeah, it's been, it's been really cool. Mm -hmm. I'm an old youth, I was an old youth Mm. With a gray beard, but mm. that's I was called the Gandalf of the youth. The Gandalf, that's perfect. Which was pretty, uh, or Yoda, but I, don't, I think Gandalf's more flattering than Yoda. Mm. Right? But anyways, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, can you just talk about kind of some of the events that led you? Because you've only been at YFC for how long? Yeah, I've been at YFC for about a little over a year. So the journey for me actually started back in 2018, and uh, I went 
to a, a conference in Florida, because that's the only place to do conferences. <laughs> Uh, and it, the speaker was talking about the fact that every one of us has a place. And he was talking, he compared our place to kind of like a coat that God gives us to wear. And he mm-hmm. talked about the fact that he so desperately wanted to know his place that he actually created his own place. A little bit of Annie Stanley, a little bit of the Bibles, a little mm-hmm. bit of Francis, people he wanted to be like. And he put this coat on, but it didn't fit. And because it didn't fit, he became very frustrated and he envied mm-hmm. those around him. But then God gave him his coat, what God had called him to do. And he was totally at peace. And he was able to rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. And I remember listening to him and going, man, I really want to know what my place is. Because at that time, mm. I was about 48 years old. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people were telling me, when are you going to grow up and be a real pastor? And I was like, okay. Because <laughs> they would say to me, Dave, you could be a really good lead pastor. But here's the thing. I could also be a really good garbage man. Mm. But it's not what I could do. It's what God was calling me to do. And so for six months, I basically prayed about it. I said to God, I said, whatever you want me to do, you got to show me. And uh, six months later, I was at a youth conference in Florida, and uh, <laughs> it's called Student Leadership University. And it's actually a really cool conference because what it does, it challenges students wherever God has called you, whether you're a doctor, whether you're a lawyer, whether you're a stay-at-home mom, whatever you are, you need to lead in the way that Jesus called you to lead. You need to reflect God. So mm-hmm. everybody's a missionary wherever God has placed you. And one of the sessions is called the dream session, which is really cool. And what, he's, what it is is basically this, is they send you for 45 minutes with God, and they ask you to ask one question of God. And it's this, if you could do anything for the glory of God, and you knew you wouldn't fail, what would it be? Wow. And you just listen to God. And so the first year my daughter was with me, so being her dad, I went off and dreamed with her. And uh, the second year my son was with me, so I went off and dreamed with him. The third year, and this is when we were there in 2018, um, I was by myself with some students and I was about to check out cause I had done it many times before. And I thought I'll just go and go to Chick-fil-A or something like that. <laughs> and God said, no, no, I want you to go and do this because I have something for you. And the crazy thing is I remember sitting there and I said to God, I say, God, if I could do anything for your glory. And I knew that I would fail. What would it be? And I'm a good Baptist boy. So I have really quenched the spirit. Right. <laughs> but I gotta tell you ladies, when I picked that up, it wasn't me writing. Mm. And this is what I wrote. To help this next generation become everything that God wants them to become. And I remember putting a period at the end of the sentence thinking to myself, okay, how am I going to do this? And God gave me three things. He said, if you want to help this next generation, I want you to encourage parents. I want you to equip youth leaders. And I want you to engage students. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. But God wasn't done yet. He said, Dave, but here's the thing. is You can't do it in the comfort of the church. Mm. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, I want you to step out and I want you to begin... Youth Unlimited YFC starting at Lambton. Because I grew up in London, right? So mm-hmm. I grew up with Andre. Like Andre was actually one of the high school guys when I was a high oh, school wow. student. Yeah. Crazy. So I remember the London YFC. And it always tweaked my interest, but I thought, there's no way I'm going to raise my funds. And so God told me to do this. And I wish I could say, yeah, I jumped on board, but I was like, nope. Mm. Like I am not going to raise my funds. There's just no way. <laughs> I'm a pastor that's close enough to being a missionary. I don't want to do that. Mm. But the thing about God is this, is God is relentless. He wants you to do something. He will keep working at you. So I pulled the Jonah thing. I ran one way. And for two years, I basically ignored God. Hmm. And then it was the end of June 2020 that literally my life began to fall apart. Hmm. I went into a major depression because I I hit a wall and went into burnout. And it was like I was running from God. And the burnout was kind of like, the belly of the whale where Jonah, because because God didn't, God 
couldn't get Jonah's attention until he was in the belly of the whale. So for literally four months, I was a basket case. Hmm. Like I didn't know if I was coming or going. And I went through that and I finally, and God finally said, okay, I want you to step out and do this. This is the only way I'm going to let you out. Because it wasn't until Jonah said, okay, I'm going to do it, that the fish actually mm. vomited him out, right? Mm. And so I said, okay, and so I did it. And so we began December 1st, and God did some crazy things as far as funding and providing a building. And so everything was exciting. And then December 29th of that year, I'll never forget, it was a, it was a day after my wife's birthday. My wife was diagnosed with chronic lymphocytic leukemia, mm. and we're like, Seriously, my wife was like 51 years old mm. and it's like so 52. And it was just like, this is crazy. And so we, we went from the depression and now we have this diagnosis. And so for the next year, we kind of tried to work through that and do the ministry as well. And then this past December 23rd, my wife actually passed away mm-hmm. um, because of her leukemia. Uh, she got sick and she got pneumonia and because her body couldn't fight it, her lungs basically hardened, and she passed away on June 23rd. Mm-hmm. Oh, not June, sorry, December 23rd, a day before Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. So it's been an interesting journey. Uh, both of my kids have gotten married since. So my son got oh, married wow. in February, mm-hmm. and uh, we set up at our house, and then my daughter got married uh, April 2nd. So it, it's been emotional because um, my son-in-law walked his parents up, and then my son, this is what my, my daughter wanted to do, which I thought was very beautiful, is she wanted to her brother to walk in her mom's wedding dress. Mm. So we had a table at the back with my wife's funeral picture and then mm. her in her wedding dress. And then on an old coat rack, because my daughter's very eclectic, eclectic, she, she, we hung this, this uh, wedding dress. And so for me, I walked my daughter up and then I did the wedding. And so I changed positions and I looked and out of the corner of my eye, the whole ceremony, I could see this wedding dress. And mm. I'm like, hold it together, Dave. And we did. But it's been an interesting journey. Mm. Yeah. So I'm glad I'm here. And uh, now that I look at, look back, I, I know I, I can see God's hand moving in it. But I know that this is where God wanted me to be. Mm. And, and again, just to give a plug for SWO, like it's been amazing, the support. Because people always ask me, say, well, are you alone? Because you're the only, you and your daughter at YFC. Sorry, I'm like, no, no such a bigger family. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and like many people have said, you know, the staff has always been amazing for me. Yeah. Like I just go to meet people Yeah, and we do business. <laughs> I just want to talk to people. So yeah. it's been really good. And I've really appreciated the support that Swo has given us through mm. this difficult time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so mm. I think through, like we got the emails and kind of the updates of mm-hmm. how, even when you started IFC, because yeah, you guys started a brand new satellite. Yeah. Um, so getting updates about that, getting updates about your family, getting updates about your wife. And I um, I really appreciate throughout this whole process how real you've been yeah. and how um, anchored to Jesus you've been. Yeah. And um, yeah, like preaching the gospel to yourself as you preach it to other yeah. people. Um, yeah. And that's been so encouraging. And it too, it's just like, what we're doing here is, is real. Yeah. Like it's not, yeah. it's easy to get caught up in the to-do list. It's easy to, you yeah. know, like wrestle with your faith through it, all those things. But yeah. when push comes to shove, this is, this is kingdom, the kingdom coming. Yeah. And so I just want to thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. For being that. Cause it's been a huge, um, 
encouragement to me. And yet, like, I I don't want anybody to have experienced the things that you have. No. Yeah. So interesting thing is uh, being real. Like people always said to me, and you're you just let what you see is what you get. And Mm. the reason I do that is because if I'm not real with people, Mm -hmm. then I might as well pack up and go home. Yeah. Mm. Because when it comes to Christianity, and I'm not being mean, but a lot of people put on these facades. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're not helping anyone. And as you guys know, this working with young people, they can see right through it. Mm-hmm. So let's just remove mm-hmm. it. Let's just show them our warts. And they're like, I've never had anyone say to me, oh, I can't believe you're like that. They're like, oh, I'm glad that you're able to to share that. So I do appreciate that. that mm-hmm. uh, that's one thing that we've always... It's interesting. Um, we had just... My daughter and I had just posted a one-year video in December, December first, mm. a one-year video of Youth Unlimited YFC Sarah Lampton, mm. and then it was the sixth that everything began to fall apart. And for the next few weeks, it was just, and it happened so quick. Mm-hmm. Like I, I was in the hospital, and they were asking me, "Do you do you want to take her off the ventilator because she's going to die?" And I'm like, "Like I'm only 50. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, man, I have to deal with like I expected me 70, 80, yeah, yeah, but at 50, and then having this whole new ministry." And it's funny because I was talking to to Grant, and he remembers in my interview, they're like, "Are you administrative?" I'm like, "No, <laughs> my wife mm-hmm. is an administrative guru." And so just to be there now, going, "Okay, so how do we maneuver through this?" Mm-hmm. But it's interesting, you know, in these times, I call them the three deadly D's because these last two years have been tough. We I had the depression, the diagnosis, and then my wife's death. And even in these moments, I think the thing that's really helped me through it is number one, to have a heavenly perspective and not an earthly perspective. Because I know where my wife is, right? And so if I know that someday I'll see her again, like I don't want her back. I miss her, but how cruel would that be if she's in the presence of her Savior to have her come back? And so I'm looking forward to when I can be with her. But another thing that's really impacted me, and I shared this a little bit uh, when I shared a video on my Facebook one time is... Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, you know, I do a lot of baptisms. People will say, this is my life verse. And I'm like, hey, is it really your life verse? Because it's a popular verse, but have you ever really lived it out? Mm-hmm. And it's the whole idea of trust the Lord with all your heart and lean on your understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your past right. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of given me a lot of freedom because I got to be honest with you, ladies, I don't understand this. I don't understand why God would take my wife at an early age. But that verse tells me that I don't need to understand. All I got to do is trust and that God's going to use it and submit to him in all your ways. And even in the pain, and like I tell you, for me, every day is painful because there's a void that's never going to get filled again. And I got to learn to live with it, right? And so to submit to God, even in the pain, and the interesting one, and this is what God really showed me, is he's promised to make my path straight. He hasn't promised to make my path great because this is not great at all. But he's going to see me through it. Mm-hmm. And he's not going to take me out of it. Because there are days where I go, God, if you could see me out, it would be so great. But he's like, no, I'm going to see you through this. And it's interesting because we see the hand of God. As much as we don't, as much as we're hurting, we all see it. Yeah. You know? And uh, so even my kids, like my daughter's still actively involved with the ministry. My son's still doing his worship ministry. And we're just, we want to give God the glory. We don't want to give Satan any ground. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. What do you treasure the most about God? I think for me, the thing I treasure the most is that he is patient. Mm. 
he's willing to walk with you. Like he's not some dictator that's going to force you to do something, but he's going to walk you through it. And even this whole journey for me, it's been God saying, okay, I'll give you time to run, but I'm going to get you. I'm going to give you time to struggle. I'm going to give you time to grieve, but I'm going to walk with you through this. I'm going to be patient with you. Mm. I think the biggest thing that I've learned in ministry is just that, you know, it's, there's a difference between working for God and walking with God. Because working with God means you just run ahead of him. And you come back to him every so often to to check in and get a sort of approval, right? Yeah. But I think for the last couple of years, what I've learned is just the importance of walking with him. You don't need to know everything ahead of you. Remember that verse, um, your word's a lamp into my feet, a light to my path. Mm-hmm. I had the opportunity to go to Israel a few years ago. And I was in Nazareth. And we were in this one house. And the guy grabbed a lantern and started talking about this verse. Because so often we think of a lamp. Mm. In our context, we think of a uh, <laughs> A Coleman halogen lamp, right? You turn mm-hmm. on, you see for miles. <laughs> but what they were talking about was an oil lamp. And that oil lamp would only give you, allow you to see a few steps ahead of you. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't allow you to see down, it keep you on the path, but it did give you an idea of what was down the path. Mm. And that's the way God is. God is going to show you what steps are ahead of you. He's going to allow you to stay on the path, but he won't show you what's ahead. Mm. But every time you face something, he's patient with you as he walks with you. And so I think that's the thing. I, my faith has become a lot more real. Mm. When you go through something like this, it either makes or breaks your faith. Yeah. Because people always ask me, like, are you angry with God? And I'm like, no. Mm. In fact, it's going to sound really weird, but I wouldn't trade this experience for the world. Mm. And people are like, well, don't you want your wife back? Well, yeah, I would love that. But what I've experienced in this I wouldn't experience. There's a verse mm-hmm. in the Bible that Paul talks about, when I am weak, then I am strong. Mm-hmm. And we look at that verse, we think it's, it's um, consecutive, right? I'm going to have a period of weakness, and then I'm going to have a period of strength. Mm-hmm. And it's actually congruent. So what that means, it actually, it's when you're weak, then you're strong. Mm-hmm. So if you're never weak, and you're never dependent on God, you will not experience God mm-hmm. the way that he wants you to experience. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so I just learned that. I've heard about it. It's one thing to hear it. It's another thing to actually live through it. Mm-hmm. And so we're just taking one day at a time. So people say, you know, what's in the future? I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I know what tomorrow brings. And I know as long as I'm following God, and I'm not trying to be super spiritual. Yeah. It's just when mm-hmm. you go through this stuff, you have a choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Either you can fail or you can anchor yourself to God. Mm-hmm. You have no other choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because otherwise the grief will just eat you up, right? Yeah. So. And I think that's a word of hope for, like, I think of just so many things that have happened even just in the week of recording this, like, reports out of abuse of all these churches in the mm-hmm. States and the horrible shooting. And, and like, I think I talk to people and it's just like, you know, I, I talked to somebody and he he's he's a little bit older than me and he'd said, you know, like, like what are kids saying about what's happening in the States with the shootings? Like, mm. like, and as he said it, he got like tears in his eyes and mm. people are just like so hopeless and just, and I think to hear that for people that are like looking around, it's not even what's affecting them directly. It's just yeah. so we, we, we've done a really good job in the West of like escaping. Yeah. Like we live in these bubbles mm. and everything's yeah. great. And like, we're realizing that the world is not as great as we've crafted it up to be. And, and to know, is strength and that God is moving and like, you know, and like you said, like I still sort of feel confusion and yet I feel great yeah. hope. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and that's a good point. Ainsley. I think the thing too is this whole idea of your perspective. 
Like people say, well, how could God allow this to happen? Well, it's the result of the fall. Yeah. And we know back in Genesis when the fall happened, God didn't wait to put in to action a plan to redeem us. He put in right away. Yeah. And so when we think of this world, if, if this is our perspective, I think in Colossians it says, you know, set your heart on the things above where Christ is seated. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Mm-hmm. If we set our minds on this earth, then I would be majorly depressed. Oh, yeah. Because I'd be like, what are we doing here? Like, this is just every day you, you, you listen to the news and you're like, this is psychotic. But God has provided something greater and he's still in control because he's provided a place for us. And so for me, the crazy thing right now for me is when you, when you get married, the Bible tells you to become one with your, with your, with your spouse. Mm-hmm. And so if my wife and I were one, this is the, and I just thought about this probably two or three months ago, part of me is in heaven, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. that's where my wife is. And so for me, I'm living in this, this dichotomy. Like I'm actually living in light of eternity because I'm like, man, not only my savior waiting for me, but my wife is waiting for me. Mm. And that kind of blows my mind. Mm. Right. But it's, you have to anchor yourself to something. Yeah. Because if you don't anchor yourself to God, you're just going to drift. And I've seen it happen. I've seen people who've lost spouses. In fact, it's interesting. A lot of doors have opened up. People who have the situation I'm in have approached me. Like, how do you deal with this? Mm -hmm. Because they're not dealing with it well. And it's all about who you anchor yourself to. Mm -hmm. Where's your hope? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So. It's a great point. Mm. Mm. Can you just speak to people who are like in the thick of it now? And I say this knowing that not to tie a bow around and everything's okay now yeah. because that's not, that's not reality. Yeah. Um, but to, to speak to people who are suffering, whether it's in similar ways that you have and are or different, yeah. um, how would you encourage them? I mean, I think this whole conversation has been yeah. a source of encouragement, but like practically speaking, what would you say yeah. to them? I think that's really good, Jen, because here's the thing. I've been a pastor for 30 years, and going through this, mm. if I'm being honest with you, I said some really stupid things with good intentions because mm. I had no idea. Yeah. Right? Um, this is not good. This is not fun. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't just, you know, paint a smile. When people ask me how I'm doing. I just don't go fine because I'm not. Right? But I think for me... What I would say to someone that's really struggling through in a situation like I am, you need to understand the difference between joy and happiness. Because mm. we make them the same and they're totally different. Because happiness is affected by our circumstances. Joy actually affects our circumstances. Mm. And that's why in, in James it says consider it pure joy. It doesn't say consider it pure happiness because it's not happy. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's okay not to be happy. And it's okay to say to God, I don't understand. Like there's been times where I've questioned God. And I, and I, I believe in my heart that God is big enough to deal with that. Right? And so for me, I cannot find happiness in the situation, and nor do I have to. Because mm-hmm. happiness, I think, is of the world. Mm-hmm. Right? But I can experience joy. So I can be joyful even though my life seems to be falling apart. Because I know my joy comes from God. Mm. And the thing is, is my outlook it actually affects the way I deal with things. Right? Because I thought my wife died, I'll be honest with you. You know, I it didn't hit me till the new year. I went into pastor mode and I basically, you know, cared for my family. I planned my wife's funeral being a pastor. I thought I gotta do this. Mm-hmm. But when the ball dropped 
in New York. I was watching it on my TV. January 1st, it just hit me. And I was just, okay, what am I going to do here? So I realized that I can have joy even though my circumstances are terrible. And it actually does affect the way I look at this. Hmm. So like I said to you, I see God's hand in it. You know, my wife could have died of leukemia and it would have just ravaged her. She died of pneumonia. She basically was on oxygen. They put her on a ventilator and God took her. She died very peacefully. And so even in the midst of all of that, I can say, okay, God, I don't like the fact you took my wife, but you did it very graciously. And I know you've got something. Interesting. They say this, that life is lived forwards, but understood backwards. Mm -hmm. I think it was Kierkegaard that said that. So we have to live our lives forward, but we don't understand it until we're on the other side of it. Yeah. And so I'm hoping that someday I'll be able to go, okay, I understand all of this. And I know, I know for a fact that when God calls me home and I'm standing with my wife, I'll go, okay, this makes total sense. Mm-hmm. When you go through this, people expect you to act a certain way. When you act another way, people go, okay. Like my neighbors, they're like, wow. Because it's one thing to say you're a Christian. Uh-huh. It's another thing to act like you're a Christian in the midst of extreme grief. Mm-hmm. Right? And again, I'm not saying I'm, I'm some superstar or anything. I'm just realizing, wait a minute, I have a choice. I can either put attention on me or like put on God. And mm-hmm. I've just chosen to do the do the last one. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I think it's uh, one of those things of it. It, it can't be about you because none of us are are able to. Well, no. you know, you think of those cliches of like. God only gives you as much as you can handle yeah. and how we know that's not true. Yeah. And yet we see that like only God yeah. can, can give you joy in the midst yeah. of those things. I think, yeah, like you said, you guys still live in this yeah. tension, confusion and feelings yeah. and sadness. And yet God has carried you. Yeah. And here's the thing is I don't believe that God will give you more than you can handle. I believe that I will give you what you can handle with him. Mm-hmm. Like I couldn't handle some of my own. It's interesting, one of the stories that uh, I used to hate in the Bible was Job. <laughs> I did not like the story. And for some reason, I'm drawn to it because I'm, I look at how Job responded when he experienced everything. And I, I shared this at a, at a staff meeting, but there's three things I'm kind of, I would say to someone going through grief, is the first thing is, is to weep. <sighs> it's okay to cry. Like I have cried so much in these last five months. I've never cried this much in my entire life. And it just comes, it comes, something will trigger it. And I'll just, you know, the second thing is, is weed. I don't mean, I mean, weed out because people always say, when you say weed, what does that mean? Well, weeding out. <laughs> I want to clarify, right? But people will say things with best intentions mm-hmm. and you're like, what? Mm-hmm. Joba to do that, right? Mm-hmm. And the last thing that was, it's been really helpful for me going through difficult times is worshiping mm-hmm. because I realized this, that worship is not just a spiritual discipline. It's actually an act of spiritual warfare. Mm-hmm. Because when we worship, what happens is this, is we actually build strongholds for God. When we worry, we build strongholds for the enemy. Mm-hmm. So those are the three things I've been kind of reminding myself over and over again. And it's constant. It's like, yeah. Like even this morning waking up, it's like, okay, you know, gotta, this is what it is. This Because mm-hmm. it, it reality hits you every, every way you turn. We went on vacation and it's like, whoa, all the first Mother's Day and mm. anniversaries coming up this, uh, in a few weeks. That's mm. going to be weird. But 
to walking through that mm-hmm. and just understanding, okay, God, you are, because even when Job, he never, Job, God never gave Job an answer. Mm-hmm. He says, I got this. And the way I control the universe, I'm controlling this. And so this is where the rubber meets the road when it comes to your faith. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Thank you doesn't seem to be the right thing to say, but again, I think I'm just kind of sitting in this place of just like awe of God's grace and in all of this, like you, I don't know about you guys, but like in moments of movies where it's like kind of the climax and the main characters like looking back on their life and yet I love those moments. Um, But when those moments happen in real life, they're far and few between. And oftentimes they include a lot of really deep, painful things. And yet God's, God remains steady through it all. Um, So I just thank you so much for your openness and vulnerability and all this. And I, and I hope and pray that this people where they're at as you continue to, to wrestle with it. Like it's not, God's not finished yet and you're not finished yet and we're not finished yet. And I would say one thing too, I said, you know, in sharing my story, there's not an ounce of me that wants, oh, poor Dave. That's not mm-hmm. what it is. Mm-hmm. It's just I want God to be seen in this. And it's, it's interesting, ladies, when my wife was diagnosed back in December of 2020, she, we knew, we didn't know the timing, but she, we knew that she would go before me. Mm. Because if she got any sickness or anything like that, that she could fight they told her it wouldn't be leukemia, probably pneumonia. They said that to her. Mm-hmm. And so we knew that. And so my wife and I had some pretty frank conversations. And she, I remember her telling me, she said, Dave, you know what? When God calls me home, I do not want you to stop doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I don't want the kids stop doing what they're doing. I want you to use this as an opportunity to glorify God. Wow. And so when she passed, we kind of went, Okay, and so at our fu- at our funeral, we all shared because we knew that's what my wife would want, and it was cool because we were able to share things from her blog about her. So she was looking forward to going home because mm-hmm. she knew she had leukemia. In the last year, she started a blog, and some of the statements in her blog were very powerful. Mm-hmm. So there was no doubt where she was going. Mm-hmm. So with the way we look at it, is she's just gone ahead of us, and we'll join her soon, mm-hmm. hopefully sooner than later. That's my prayer, but uh, yeah, but ultimately God needs to be seen in this or it's, it's a waste. It's a waste. Right. So. Yeah. Well, I feel we, uh, yeah, it, it just feels hard to follow up with to even know how to, to do that. Um, yeah. Thank you for, for, for being real and real in the, the, deep pain and in the questioning and in the you know, even just your intentions behind it and yeah it's it's not easy to to speak those things out loud and to have to to go through that and um just what a testament to your faithfulness and and you know even just to see how I mean you see it from pretty afar but even just to see yeah. how you and Emma have walked this road a little mm-hmm. bit um and the way that you've still been a fantastic dad been in the midst of these things and to share and to be with Stephen and come all this way and just share share hope in the midst of all that thanks for the opportunity thanks for allowing me to share Uh yeah it's been really good Uh and now I've been on your podcast yes you can check it off the list now we're officially work friends and I think we could say we're work friends and real Mm -hmm. friends too it's official now (laughs) 
Yeah. So that means, ladies, when I talk to you at the mall again, you can't ignore me. Okay. Sounds <laughs> Remember good. the last time, Ainsley, I said hi to you, and you were like, who is this guy? And you called the security guard to extraordinary. Yeah, totally. Remember that? <laughs> and I was yelling to you, Ainsley, it's me. And you're like, I don't know this guy. You really that won't happen again, will it? No, never. I will never do that again. Because I did cry for a bit in my car, if I'm being honest. Mm, I'm glad to be liked. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Mm. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. So if you're not at Disney, we'll see you next Monday for a brand new episode. So follow, subscribe, find us on Instagram for more resources and fun content. And yeah, until next Monday. Bye-bye.